what we've seen with being able to do this, we've done three of these events and we basically fly the, uh, the Marines in from Jacksonville, North Carolina, where uh, Camp Lejeune is. And uh, they come and spend a week here in, in Perry, mm. Florida. And we all over North Florida and show them kind of what we do and, and, uh, and, and where we go and, and our, our nature. We have a uh, hog hunt. Yes. Here. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then we also have tremendous uh, fishing on the Gulf coast where we live. Yeah. And, um, and so we take the guys fishing a couple of times and, uh, and they bring their kids and it's very accommodating. What we're seeing in that is, is when they come, you can actually see a, uh, you can see the, the distance sometimes that, that, that a combat wounded Marine may have with his, with his son or daughter. And at the end of the week, you see them enjoying themselves and you see them a, a closer bond where that healing is yeah. actually taking place. And it is just amazing to watch. And it's very rewarding. Well, good morning, Wedgworth alumni. This is Valerie McKeesled, your current alumni programs coordinator. I'm calling from Paducah, Kentucky, which some of you know that I was crazy enough to get married and move, leaving Florida. Um, side note, we need to check on those people who decide to leave Florida. They, they may not be right, you know? Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so I'm, I'm calling from Paducah, Kentucky, and uh, I have the grand fortune of recording another Wedgworthy alumni podcast this morning with Richard Schwab. Uh, Richard Schwab is a member of Class 6. Uh, he also is a regional alumni board of director at this point. He's serving on his second term, and uh, he has so much wisdom that he brings to our board. Um, we, we can thank him for his insight in bringing back the uh, Strategic Planning Committee to help uh, redirect and kind of look forward uh, with the Alumni Association. Um, he grew up in the forestry industry in, in Perry, Florida. He's the third generation owner of uh, the forestry company M.A. Ragoni, Inc., um, where he's also the vice president. Um, Richard is married to his beautiful bride, Jennifer, and has three gorgeous children, Julianne, Caroline, and Cole. Um, he's also served on multiple boards at this point um, in leadership capacities. In 2015, he was appointed by the governor to serve as a board member for the Suwannee River Water Management District. Uh, he also serves in boards such as the American Loggers Council, representing the states of Florida and Georgia, uh, the Forest Resources Association, Southeastern Wood Producers Association, and Team Safe Trucking Incorporated. Again, Richard doesn't know that I re-recorded the beginning of this podcast, but I did it because I just wanted to brag a little bit more about him uh, and his character and values and why uh, I chased him down for another Wedgeworthy Alumni podcast um, to just talk about how he's been able to apply his leadership and his values and his faith um, beyond the program. So again, what you're about to hear is some good stuff. Um, Richard, I also know that you have some fur children, don't you? You have a, a few dogs that are, uh, kind of go with you everywhere you go. Yes. I have, uh, two Boykin Spaniels males and, uh, one Springer Spaniel that's a female and they are quite, yeah. quite the crew. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I remember, uh, traveling with class 10, uh, being so, tickled that you brought them with us uh, whenever you were giving us the tour 
uh, talking about the uh, timber industry, forestry industry up there in Perry, Florida. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but hey, Richard, I'm just again, I'm, I'm so excited that you're on the call with me. And uh, I just want to start off by talking to you about uh, how maybe you've developed your you've had all these experiences serving on all these different boards and whatnot. So how have you how have you developed your leadership since going through Wedgworth? Well, um, one thing about the, uh, the the program that we that we did um, was is it it you know of course it, it, the first thing that you do in it is they they um they let you go and learn about yourself and how your personality and your gifts and your uh, and how you process information and then they show you your local community and then they go state and we go national and then we go international and uh, and all points in between and. The, the one of the biggest takeaways that I got from that was is 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 where you are and what you do. There's no greater spokesperson that understands your business and your business model than yourself. And because of that, um, it, it I've really felt like it was very important to get out and uh, uh, and be a, a culture changer uh, in your industry. And so, therefore, mm. uh, the the best way that I've learned to do that is to is to sit on these boards and to be in the leadership of those boards and be able to interject your thoughts and your opinions and your ideas uh, in the direction to be able to influence the culture around you. Because if you're not sitting at the table nine times out of ten, you're on the table and you're being consumed by these people. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at, and that's really really the reason why uh, I'm, I'm uh, I do what I do and, and try to stay as busy as I possibly can. So Richard, you're talking about uh, being able to apply your leadership in these boards. Um, certainly I know you're regarded as a leader in Florida's forestry industry, um, but do you see yourself as, as a leader in, in Florida's uh, forestry industry? I mean, you, you've grown up in this industry certainly, and you probably have developed a, a plethora of connections here in the Southeast, but um, I just want to know how do you see yourself as a leader, and, and maybe describe your leadership style. Well, Val- Valerie, you know, uh, I guess the your question is 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 how do I see myself as a leader? Uh, I just try to be as available as I possibly can. You know, um, my idea of good leadership is uh, is uh, based on um, a servant leader type model, and so um, you know, I, I just try to to be where I need to be when I need to be there. And I try to be as accommodating and kind as I possibly can. And then, and then interject that as a, as a servant, you know, as a servant. Okay. And so like when I'm sitting on the water management district board, I I realize I'm serving at the pleasure of the governor. Mm. Uh, When I'm, uh, when I'm on the American loggers council board, uh, I'm, uh, but when I'm on the, when I'm, when I'm on the American Loggers Council's board, uh, I'm sitting there representing Florida and Georgia. Um, when I'm, when I'm at, I'm, when I'm on the Forest Resource Association's board, uh, I'm, I'm a logger member. So I'm actually representing loggers all across the nation as just by showing up. Okay. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the angle that I, that I bring that about and, and, and really the model that I, that I get that from is the, one of the greatest leaders of all kind, all time and, um, and, and actually radically tra- transformed the world with what he did 
was the uh, uh, the fact of who Jesus Jesus was in the in the Bible and reading the accounts of, of the greatest among you will be your servant. And mm-hmm. uh, where I'm at, I'm not doing it to be come great or to be, or to be the greatest as I possibly can be. But it's basically I just want to influence the people around me the best I possibly can. Yeah. So I, I model that in that and from that from that aspect of it. Yeah. Well, and Richard, you made me think of, as you were talking about that, you're serving on all these different boards representing, like you said, different roles. And you often hear the expression, we like to say that we wear multiple hats. You know, I feel like these days, everybody wears multiple hats. You know, you've got uh, this responsibility and that responsibility that may seemingly have no uh, true relationship. And as you're saying that, it's like you're you're wearing these different hats, but it's almost like you're taking it one step for, further because it's a, it's a humility thing. Like you're putting on this humility hat of I'm going to do my best to, to serve in this area and represent this audience. Um, and I, I fully applaud you. I, I knew that you were going to bring up your, your core values and your faith, that that's been a big influential part of your leadership development as well. Um, and I, I, I think that that's how you lead authentically. Um, so you know, you, we've talked about how you've led in your industry, obviously. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you've applied your leadership. The whole reason why we're on this call today, I know, is because Matt Webb had given me a tip a few weeks ago about something that was coming up for the both of you that you were working on. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, about five or six years ago, my dad had the opportunity uh, to go and serve at a combat wounded marine which is a it's not a it's not affiliated with wounded warriors but it's very similar to the wounded warriors at, uh project uh where uh he got invited to go and cook in a in a hunting camp in in colorado while the wounded warriors got a chance to to go and um, hunt elk and uh, he really had a great time doing that and he and he went back the next year and uh, but he noticed a common thread when he was able to build relationships with the the uh, combat wounded Marines was is, is they felt like that they were getting healing physically uh, and they were getting healing emotionally and mentally. But what they were seeing is is a gap in their families, mm-hmm. uh, not just with their wives. They were able to kind of bridge some of those gaps. But what they were seeing is, is a, a gap of uh, being a, a father and in, uh, in a, uh, an opportunity to speak life into their families. And they were seeing that gap between them and their kids. Mm. So my dad had of, uh, of saying, hey, you know, I think we can do this where we live here in Florida and, uh, and be able to treat those guys with the honor and the respect that they deserve for their, their sacrifice that they've given to our country. But make it to where they may have an opportunity to build a, uh, a stronger relationship with their, their children, whether it be their, uh, their, their young children, or it could be a teenage son or daughter, or even a, uh, we had, we've had a couple bring their grandkids. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys are, you know, they have grandkids, unfortunately, but, uh, um, long story short, what we've seen with being able to do this, we've done three of these events and we basically fly the, uh, the Marines in from Jacksonville, North Carolina, where uh, Camp Lejeune is. And uh, they come and spend a week here in, in Perry, mm-hmm. Florida. And we all over North Florida 
and show them kind of what we do and and uh, and and where we go and in our our nature. We have a uh, hog hunt yes. here. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then we also have tremendous, uh, fishing on the Gulf coast where we live. Yeah. And, um, and so we take the guys fishing a couple of times and, uh, and they bring their kids and it's very accommodating. Uh, as a matter of fact, this year we had a, uh, an amputee, uh, come. Uh, so we had a, we had a double amputee in boats and, and fishing, uh, and able to, to, enjoy the time and then he, he brought his his son as well but what we're seeing in that is is when they come you can actually see a uh you can see the the distance sometimes that 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 a combat wounded marine may have with his with his son or daughter and at the end of the week you see them enjoying themselves and you see them a, a closer bond where that healing is yeah. actually taking place and it is just amazing to watch and it's very rewarding and it is uh it's just amazing it really is amazing to see what that does you'll you and and everybody has a chance to kind of get bonded and, and what we've seen is a community here in perry we're a very close-knit community in in some ways but yet with the the busyness of life sometimes you don't get to see everybody we've seen people by the thousands in our community want to support either financially or come and cook for the wounded wow. warriors or uh, we want to take them fishing. We want to take them hunting. We want to do this. We want to do that. And it just really is a neat, neat week for the whole community of Perry to gather up um, uh, when the, when the guy, when the, when the uh, Marines come to Perry, basically the town stops and they line up the town with with uh, flags of the United States and everybody salutes those guys coming in. They have a full uh, sheriff's deputy and, and uh, uh, parade coming through basically that uh, uh, a, a police escort coming from Tallahassee all the way into Perry. I mean, it's just wow. like very, very honoring. Yes. I mean, you have a, it just puts your faith back in the community and in your, in your family and in just your country. You just feel jacked up like you, haven't seen in a long time and it's really really cool it what, really is neat say it one more time you said it probably at the very beginning what is the name of this uh particular organization the, the um the group is the combat wounded marines outdoors group and the um and then the uh the foundation that we established is a non-profit foundation it's called ma ragoni foundation the ma ragoni foundation gotcha yes mm -hmm. okay wow i mean richard like what an incredible way to engage in your community and, and give back in a need, uh, a gap, so to speak, that, that so many people probably miss. Again, like you have those organizations that address the veterans specifically, but to be a part of restoring families, um, I feel like that's what, you know, we talk about leadership being all about is, is finding those gaps, whether it's gaps between consumers and farmers or gaps between community members. And, you know, I mean, we, we fill gaps. That's what, like, that's what our job is. And you, you found a very unique gap to, to serve. Um, what an incredible story. Um, thank you for sharing. Well, you know, Valerie, on, on that, talking about gaps, I think one of the biggest gaps that we see in the culture that we're dealing with, whether it's a lack of lack of interest in farming or lack of uh, interest of where your food comes from, or even the, sometimes we consider, some people wouldn't consider this, but maybe others would, uh, moral decay, 
all around us. I think it really comes down to it. If you boil it down to simplest form, I think it's the erosion of family values and in, in the family yeah. unit. And, uh, and, and I think that's the reason why the opportunity with the combat wounded Marine, excuse me, combat wounded Marine outdoors and the way we set it up. And we're the only group that has done it this way nationwide, as far as reaching out to the fathers and the sons and the daughters uh, is to start to try to heal that nuclear family, you know, to, to encourage that and, and, and then also branch out in, uh, in other ways. I mean, I think if we can continue to try to rebuild what's been destroyed in, the, in so long, I think that a lot of society's issues and problems could be solved by going back to some of the basics of what we, what we really truly believe as Floridians and Americans. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the farm values that we all grew up with, you know. I'm, I'm with you. Go back to your roots, go back to where you're from, and then values that we all believe in. Of course, everybody's saying that that you have to have uh, a, uh, you know, a father and a mother and and three kids, uh, and that's been married (laughs) one time. I know that everybody's family looks different, and those core values that we were were given by our moms and dads and our grandparents – those values don't change over time. And those values are what makes farming and agriculture and, and everything that we do as an industry, one of the greatest industries in the world, you know, and, and that's, and that's where we, we as leaders, because in the farming aspect of what we do, I think that's where we need to interject ourselves in the communities and in, in, in the realms of where, where we can, where we have the opportunity to. Yeah. I, I'm in full agreement with you there, Richard. Um, I'm going to step back and go back to, as we talk about you graduating from this uh, wonderful program, class six. Uh, I can't even imagine that. That probably feels like forever ago for you. Um, do you have any favorite memories from your time in Wedgworth? Yes, uh, I've got some uh, great memories. Uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure everybody knew was is class six is absolutely the best class that's ever grown through the program. <laughs> And just wanted to make sure that I was on the record. Uh, and that's my humble but accurate opinion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way, right? Absolutely. absolutely. You just need to believe that. Uh, but, you know, some of the greatest memories, I mean, there were so many great memories. But I think about the the friendships and the bonding uh, that we have. And, you know, every time I get around a group of people, for some reason, uh, when we're telling stories around a, a bonfire or we're telling stories around, uh, you know, a, a winding down time after we've had meetings all day long or some other other, there's always a Wedgworth story that comes up, one or two anyways. Uh, and, and I think the, the biggest takeaway from the program, and I can't pinpoint exactly one, the fondest memory that I ever had, but I think about the relationships and the friendships that, I, that I've uh, gained from the program. But I, but I think about this right here. When I went through the program in my early 30s, uh, I worked around the same kind of people. I went to church with the same kind of people. I lived in a very small community with most of the same kind of values and, and philosophies and, and different things. And what the program did for me was it got me uh, 
out of my comfort zone and out of my normal. And it helped me understand that true life begins not at it, where you live and where you where you're comfortable, but but on the edge. The yeah. True, true life begins or real life altering and life changing experiences happen on the edge and you have to put yourself out there to be able to, to, to do, to get there. And, 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 and the, not me, but I processed information differently. Uh, it helped me to uh, see things through a different lens. And it, and it, and it also helped me to understand that just because you have a differing, differing opinion of something, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. Okay. It just means you have a different opinion. Okay. Right. And, and then you, and it helped me also to understand, and maybe it was just one of those deals where I just finally started growing up a little bit, but it, it helped me understand that, you know, uh, I need to, I need to understand that person from where they came from or what their culture is, uh, has forced them to become to where they're basing that opinion that they have on why they, why they have that. And so, uh, that, that has really helped me. I mean, it, it, it's put me where, where I probably wouldn't have been a, just a Taylor County guy that, that I'll, or maybe, maybe just active in the, you know, Florida Forestry Association or, or, or my local, you know, whatever, or church or whatever. But now it's, it, the, through the program, it's pushed me to the point where I spend weeks in Washington, DC every year, uh, lobbying policymakers, um, about our business and what we're doing. I, I sat in the Eisenhower building of the White House, the office buildings of the White House last week and met with Peter Navarro, Dr. Peter Navarro for 30 minutes, sat right next to him and being able to speak to the special assistant to the president of the United States about issues that matter our wow. industry. Uh, and, and I would have never, ever done that if it wasn't for Wedgworth. That, that's a, yeah. just an outright fact. No doubt about it. Mm. So the, the monster the monster that has been created in the the enigma of Richard Schwab is directly uh, Wedgworth Leadership Institute is directly responsible for that. So you get what you got. <laughs> I love and, it. And no, Emma that Carter means... has something to do with that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She has, she has a part in unleashing the monster. The the phrase that you used, if not for Wedgworth, or if it wasn't for Wedgworth, Hannah introduced me to that and that how that's been a very helpful way for folks to to root themselves and, and be able to see their change. You know, if not for Wedgworth, where where would I be or what, what would I have not experienced? And uh, everything that you just shared. I mean, it, yeah, Richard, I mean, the, the, I, I would dare say the world is a better place. Forestry is, is a better industry because of your um, your willingness to step out and, and represent, um, you know, talking about class six, uh, that you went through. Um, I I know some of those individuals that you went through with the class, they're incredible people. And like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard call, you know, which class is the best because you meet so many incredible people. Now Valerie, but um, very well, it's not a hard call. It's just a no brainer. Just go back and look (laughs) at the history of the program. Class six is six by far has been number one. (laughs) <laughs> well <laughs> and uh, as you said you you, you, you 
you said it yourself. You could have an opinion, <laughs> and it doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It's just yeah, an opinion. You're right. I guess you're right. Okay. <laughs> oh, but anyways, um, so here we are. We're talking about class six, and now you're uh, serving as a regional board member. As the, this is the second time you've been a, a board member. Is that correct or or not for the alumni yeah, association? I, I was very shocked when they asked me to do it again. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I guess they, you know, the new board, especially the president, may have lost their mind or something. I don't know. Yeah, you never you never know. Yeah. Uh, but I I really appreciate your leadership on on that board as well um, because certainly you you provide some some insight. I think because of your tenure, because of your your experiences, uh, you're willing to voice. Uh, your thoughts and opinions and uh, you're part of the reason that we have the strategic planning committee right now which I know is kind of taking uh, a pause for right now but talking about strategies and planning for the future for the alumni association you were the one that really brought that back up to the board if I recall right so um, thank you for your service there no problem um, Richard if you were to give any advice to anyone who's considering class 11 which is I know a bizarre that we're even talking about 11 at this point um, what advice would you give to, to those individuals? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, is don't set your expectations very, uh, too high because you're <laughs> as good as class six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, honestly, I, I, if I had an opportunity to talk to 25 or, or 30 individuals that were considering, um, becoming a part of the, the Wedgworth uh, class 11, I would say, uh, number one, uh, don't think that time is an issue. You'll find that going through the program, uh, timing works out. And uh, even though you're basically away from your business for weeks at a time, doing seminars over a two-week period of time, and then, of course, doing a a 20 day international trip, uh, you think that you might possibly be indispensable. Uh, mm. I got some news for you. You, you are not indispensable. You are replaceable. Uh, business will go on without you. Uh, mm. do not let that myth hinder you from becoming uh, a class member. Uh, number two, I would say that be prepared to be challenged and to be put in, uh, in uh, awkward and uncomfortable situations, but that's part of what the program is supposed to be about. Uh, mm. As uh, Dr. Carter, Carter has said very many eloquently, in eloquent ways, uh, it's not a vacation, it's a leadership program. So yeah. uh, I would encourage you to be minded uh, and be prepared to be challenged, and, but, but also be prepared to be changed. Mm. through the program but but just don't let time uh, or the or the perceived nature of a lack of time hinder you from uh joining because it it is worth every moment every every bit of the time that you spend in it richard may i ask i was going to ask this earlier uh how old were your kids whenever you went through class six uh class six was uh mark grief and i were just talking about it uh probably 15 years ago now actually uh it was 2006 and yeah about 15 15 years ago 2005 and six um uh, so my uh, my oldest was about 10 uh, my middle was about eight and my youngest was about six and um they uh 
everything's good on that. You know, we didn't have babies now. That was that would have been a, a different different. Yeah. Uh, but but you know it, they they were about those ages. They were old enough to know that dad was leaving for whatever reason for an extended period of time, I'm sure. But they were also old enough, probably, that they weren't giving your wife too much of a handful. No, or, but and the other thing, they were probably excited about it because, you know, the way a beautiful <laughs> bride is, he's probably taking the McDonald's every night for supper and stuff. I mean, vacation <laughs> for them, too. <laughs> that could be. That could be. That could be an added yeah. bonus, uh, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, my last question for you today, Richard, as you've uh, been so gracious to give me your time this morning um, and endured all kinds of choppiness and and communication through this Anchor app, we're talking about, uh, we know that Hannah is, um, in a few weeks, she is starting a new adventure. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone, you know, that that new edge. Um, And so she's going back to Maine and it's really emotional and it's, it's kind of surreal. I don't think anybody's really able to process it. I don't know if she's really processing it right now. Uh, Would you have any uh, parting words for her affirmations, anything you would like to share for her? Uh, I just want to wish Hannah the very best in all of her endeavors. Uh, She has been a very good friend of mine. Um, There's always been a connection uh, between her and, and our our family, um, uh, and what's really cool is is she's been able to go back up and and be around her the roots of her with her sister and her 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 main roots there, and that's really cool. Uh, what's really neat is 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 uh, I'm I'm just so happy for her because she's going she's been charged to go back up there as the uh, as the dean of agriculture uh, to reestablish possibly the uh, the potato industry or the potato farming side of, of their extension, which is yeah. just awesome. You know, just a, that is so ingrained in her. That's the way she got to Florida to begin with was the potato industry. She came down to Hastings to see uh, the potato people down here in Florida and, and, that, and that connection, you know, and here she has become a, uh, a doctor in, uh, in leadership studies. And then here she is uh, being able to take what she's learned through the University of Florida and being able to interject that in a, in a dean position at the University of Maine. And what's really cool uh, is, is uh, she's already reached out to me about uh, in- interacting with the forest industry up there. Uh, oh. and, and that's, you know, of course, you know, uh, forestry and agriculture go hand in hand. They're, they're one in the same uh, down here and, and everywhere in the country. And, and here she, she's been able to gain that kind of perspective from relationships that we have through uh, Alan Shelby with the forestry association and, and um, uh, myself and, and uh, other folks, uh, I think about uh, uh, other members from uh, South Florida that are uh, in the logging industry, Mr. Connor that went through early on. Uh, I, yeah. I think about um, uh, uh, just so many, I can't remember everybody's name, but uh, just think about so many people that won awards that have been a part of that. She understands how intricate or uh, integral forestry is in the state of Florida for ag. And here she's going to go and take what she's learned here from Florida's extension and, and, and interject, interject that out into uh, Maine, the university of Maine's, uh, uh, you know, portfolio. So it's just amazing how we all interact. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's relationships, it's philosophies, it's it's just different ideas uh, 
and 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 it just it's not really that we're losing anybody. We're just extending the Wedgworth family, the University of Florida family, the the agriculture family to, to another part of the, the nation. You know, to absolutely where you know you can you can see where the emphasis is the Gator Nation. You hear about the Gator Nation, the Gator Nation. Well, in in reality, yes, we are going throughout and taking what we know and what we love and we're interjecting the Gator Nation thoughts, the Wedgworth thoughts, the uh, your core value thoughts, your family value thoughts, you're interjecting that. That's what it's all about, about, you know, loving God and loving people. That's what it's about. It's about taking what you believe in your core values and, and interjecting that into the world. And that's what Hannah's doing in Maine. And uh, the, what's really good is, is uh, she'll be right there comfortable again in that great white snowy northeast up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know you guys have, I've never seen her in a pair of shorts personally, you know, flip flops either, you know. And uh, I think it's because of her skin just not has never gotten used to the Florida sun or the Florida weather. So, therefore, she's going back home and she's going to be a lot more comfortable up there and she won't ever have to put a pair of shorts on ever again. And, you know, everything's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Richard. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it. That's, you know, I mean. I've asked her several times to come over here and, and go swimming and go play on the Gulf of Mexico. And never has it happened. Well, <laughs> you, as you were talking, you made me think about the fact that uh, my parents have always they tell me that doors never really close you know and so as you were saying like it's it's not like we're saying goodbye at all to Hannah if anything it's just opening another door um and she's able to open a door that didn't really close for her as you said like she's able to return to her roots and go back to helping an industry that she it it all started with for her so um I I thank you for sharing that uh about Hannah and uh Hannah you know we love you yes um we do we love you. Uh, the cool thing yep. about it is, too, now, the next time I go to Bangor, Maine, I don't have to stay in the Hampton. I can stay at the the Hannah. That's exactly right. The Hannah. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to, you know, <laughs> Hotel Hannah. Uh, Hostel Hannah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, uh, I, I thank you again for your time this morning. Uh, I know we had some some hiccups with our technology here this morning, but man, it was so such a joy and pleasure to be able to talk to you before, um, well, before I time out of this position. And again, just to have another podcast with another Wedgeworthy alumni member, somebody who's really led in our uh, in our program and in our alumni association. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Valerie. But I'll I tell you that the next podcast that we need to do is we need to get a hold of Toby Basor and we need to have the the Basor and Schwab show show yes. on how to uh, work as hard as I do and yet vacation as much as what Toby does. I need to learn that work uh, work life balance like Toby Basor has so we will be able to interject that and help everybody understand that as well. You hear that Toby? We're calling you out. <laughs> We'll call it work hard, play hard, or play harder. (laughs) Work hard and play harder. (laughs) Yep, yep, I love it. I love it. We'll try to get that to happen soon. I think that would be awesome. Uh, Appreciate it. Yep, talk to you soon, Richard. Thank you. Bye-bye.